So we are finishing up our series that we've been doing this month on the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it, it dawned on me as we sang that song, or as you sang that song of Lord, I need you, um, how, how true it is, but then also just how we often think about as we're singing that, we're really singing for the Holy Spirit to be with us. Uh, we, we don't stop and think about it sometimes, but, but that's the promise that God has given us. If you remember back a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that Jesus' promise is that he will give us the gift of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. You remember? And he talked about how that, that this gift of the Holy Spirit is, is best for you. It's actually better for us as followers of Jesus to not have Jesus by the, with the, in the flesh beside us. It's best for us to have this gift of the Holy Spirit. And so that's his promise. If you go back and look in John chapter 14, he talks about how I'm going to go away so that I can send the comforter, or I can send the advocate, I can send the helper, I can send the friend, I can send the Holy Spirit to you. So it's best for us for him to go away. And so if you read in Acts, in Acts chapter 1, he talks to the disciples. He says, I want you to stay together. I want you to stay here until the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, to the people of God, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I think about all of those promises that we've been really talking about the last three weeks and how the Holy Spirit, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, all of those passages are really more theoretical, if you think about it. Those are all things that Jesus says is going to happen. It's only when we come to what we know as Pentecost, it's only until we come to, to Pentecost do we actually see the Holy Spirit come on the church. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And I want us to read this passage of Scripture that, as I said, in the church, what we know this is, 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 is Pentecost. And so this is when the Holy Spirit comes on his people. So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This is what we know when the Holy Spirit comes on the church. And what we see in this passage is that when the Holy Spirit comes, that they're sitting in a room and there's this mighty windstorm. If y'all remember, we talked about what the, the words for Holy Spirit are. We have ruach and we have pneuma. Both of those mean this, this blast of air. It's not this just gentle breeze. It's not this just this little... Uh, small piece of wind that comes through. It's a mighty windstorm. And so we immediately see that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, that the room is filled with this blast and power that comes in with the Holy Spirit. And then what it says is that in verse 4, that all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's really what I want us to kind of spend our time today thinking about as I read this passage. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, as I said, we, we, we know these words that come from the, the Ruach and Numa. We also learned, if you remember this word, we learned the word paraclete when it talks about that the Holy Spirit, that God is going to send a counselor. God is going to send an advocate. God is going to send the intercessor. 
that's going to pray on our behalf. And when we receive this intercessor, that, that we're going to receive power, and it's power to be able to, be, to go into the world. We're going to be able to be bold in our relationship. And then the Bible says that in that moment, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, we have to realize what's really happening here is you had all of these God-fearing people who were watching what is happening. And some might speak in one language, and all of a sudden, as the disciples began to speak, they heard in their language. And someone else may speak in a different language, and what they heard was they heard their language. And someone else might speak in a different language, and they heard their language. And so they looked around, and they said, okay, wait a minute, this person is speaking, but he understands, and she understands, and he understands. And they were confused. They didn't understand what was going on. And so they began to make fun of them and said that they were drunk. And Peter has to come in and say, okay, wait a minute. They're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what we see take place at Pentecost. And what we see is that it was confusing to the people who witnessed it. And if we're honest, it's confusing to us. We, we don't quite understand And so we react in so many different ways. Some ways we react and we stop and we go, okay, so that must be somehow this language, that must be the expression and that's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have that, then you don't really have a relationship with God. And there are some churches, some denominations that that claim that. But some say, you know, we revert the other way. We go, okay, well, I don't understand it, so I'm just really not going to talk about it. Let's talk about God Jesus, he loves us. Let's talk about God, the creator, the majesty of God. But let's don't really talk about the Holy Spirit. And so we get scared when we think about the Holy Spirit. But what I want us to really stop and look at is just what does the Bible tell us about the Holy Spirit? And specifically, for just a minute today, I want us to talk about speaking in tongues. And the reason is because last week we talked about gifts of the Spirit, and I received three different emails. And if I figure if I get one email, if I get a second email, if three emails come in, it's like, okay. What we naturally go to when you think about gifts of the Spirit, for some reason, we all naturally just go to, okay, what about speaking in tongues? And so that was what, I I was just amazed that that so many different emails came in for that particular thing. Okay, so, so let's look and think about what does the Bible say? Because the Bible is very clear. One of the things that the Bible is clear about, if someone speaks in tongues in public, in the church, there must be an interpretation. If, the, if it comes from the Holy Spirit, if someone speaks in tongues, it's, there's going to be an interpretation. So if, someone, if the Holy Spirit prompts someone to speak in some sort of private language, there will always be an interpretation. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. Verses 27 and 28, it says, No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. In other words, if God has given you this gift, it appears that if you're in church, you you can pray quietly to God in this language that God may give you. It's that... It doesn't have to manifest itself in a public way. But if it were to be public, the Bible is very clear that it would come with an interpretation. 
It also tells us, if you notice in that passage, it also says that only a couple of people would be given this and that they would speak this one at a time. And so you, you kind of had that fear that we're just going to break out. Everybody's just going to break out into all of this thing that's going to be going on and everybody's going to be talking in their own private language. That's not the way that the Bible describes the manifestation of that gift. In fact, if you look at 1 Corinthians 14, 23, it says, Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. Right? That's why I got my emails. Uh, because it's this the whole idea of thinking that, okay, somehow that's going to, what's going to happen is that's going to discredit your message. It's going to discredit it to the people who are out there who may not know and may feel weird. And so it does, the Holy Spirit doesn't prompt and work that way. The second thing that is very clear in Scripture is that that gift strengthens the individual. It strengthens the individual personally. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. And what to me this saying, sometimes we pull that passage out and we say, okay, we see here it says, I wish all of you could speak in tongues. But see, that's not what the point of that passage is because what it's saying is that the gift of that that gift is used to strengthen the individual personally. So I wish all of you would be strengthened personally. But we also see in Scripture that everybody doesn't have the same gifts. We don't all get the same gifts. And so it's saying to us, is, I wish you would all be strengthened. But really, in essence, what's the important is that we strengthen the body. That's what's important here. And it's very interesting when you see this passage, if you go read 1 Corinthians, this week I challenge you to read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, because what happens in 1 Corinthians 12, we talked about it last week, is you get all these gifts, and then in 14, they're explained, and sandwiched in between is 1 Corinthians 13. We read it at weddings, it has nothing to do with weddings, but 1 Corinthians 13, we read this passage, and what it says is that if you're given this gift, if, it's, if you're using it without love, that you, you are a noisy symbol. You're just, you're, you're just a noisy gong, the scripture says. And so we have to use it correctly. In fact, Paul goes on and argues in that passage. He says, I would rather speak five words that you're able to understand than 10,000 words in an unknown private language that nobody can get. Think about that. I would rather speak five words that people can understand than to use 10,000 words that the people who don't know God are not able to understand. I always wonder, what would those five words be? You know? What, what, what would it be that, that Paul would want to say? That's just a question. I have no idea. I just think it would be just interesting. But, but think about it. For us as a church, we, we are better to use five words that people are able to understand than we are to use thousands and thousands of words that are unintelligible to people who come in here and do not know God. It's a challenge for us. So people stop and think, okay, so why doesn't, do, why doesn't, why don't we see as much of that? And I honestly think because 
people won't understand it. Doesn't mean that the gift doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that the gift is not useful, but maybe it's being used privately. Maybe it's strengthening people individually. But so many times we struggle, and it's the reason I wanted to stop for just a moment because the, 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 the Bible is very clear on how that particular gift is going to manifest itself. And often what we see is it doesn't work that way sometimes in the life of the church. And so when we think of being filled with the Holy Spirit, so many of us immediately, that's what we think. Okay, if you're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, somehow we're talking about the gift of tongues or the gift of interpretation. I do not think that that is the measure of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that may be a biased opinion because I've never been given the gift of tongues or the gift of interpretation. But to me, when you read Scripture, the greatest expression of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. As followers of Christ, all of us are offered the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You want to look at your own life and challenge your own life to look and say, how am I doing in my relationship with the Holy Spirit? Ask yourself, how am I doing at being loving, at being joyful, being patient? How am I doing at being gentle? How am I, how, how am I doing at being self-controlled in my life? What does it mean for us to live a life where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at what Paul says in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, he says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. See, the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit desires what is contrary to the sinful nature. And for all of us who who live and, and follow Jesus Christ, we are constantly in conflict with that. Let me tell you something. When you encountered Jesus, you experienced the Holy Spirit moving in your life whether you knew it or not. And there's this constant battle that is taking place. What we have to learn how to do as followers of Jesus is we've got to learn how to yield our lives to the Spirit. One simple prayer I would encourage you to begin to pray. Let me live by the Spirit. Let me live by the Spirit. Let me live by the Spirit. Very simple prayer, but very powerful if we begin to embrace that. How do we live by the Spirit? Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 5, 15 verse 18, it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting to me that when we started talking about when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit comes on the church in Pentecost, 
and everybody begins to speak in these languages that everybody can understand, that the people who were watching, what, what did they think of the disciples? They thought they were drunk. Paul, in his words on how to live by the Spirit, uses the same comparison. He says, don't be filled with wine, be filled with the Spirit. So I started thinking this week, I thought, okay, so what does it mean? I think we can talk about this in the message church. What does it mean to be drunk? All right, I've read books. And so <laughs> what, what they say uh, is that, that you, when you're under the influence of alcohol, you, you say things differently. You act differently. You treat people differently. You do things that might, you might not would normally do. And so the Bible says, don't be under the influence of alcohol. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean for us to walk out this door today and live life in spirit being under the influence of the Spirit? It means we're going to talk differently. We're going to act differently. We're going to do things that we wouldn't normally do. We're going to treat people differently. That's Paul's encouragement to us is to, to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So when you're, when you're hurting, don't, don't turn to, the, to something or someone else to, to be able to, to comfort you. Live by the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to influence you and begin to lean into God is one of my greatest phrases that I use. Lean into God because God is able to comfort you in a way that things of this world cannot comfort you. And so live by the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to influence you. When you're struggling to try to make a decision, begin to live by the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to guide you and to be able to do what the Holy Spirit does, which is to guide and offer wisdom to you. Listen to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to change and get you to make decisions that you would not normally make. This is what we see when we see people who are following Jesus Christ who are living by the Spirit. The very literal translation of this word is the present tense verb. Talk about being filled by the Spirit. It's the present tense verb, which means that you are continued to be filled. So when it says that we are filled by the Holy Spirit, we are filled by the Holy Spirit and we continue to be filled by the Holy Spirit and we continue to be filled by the Holy Spirit and we continue to be filled by the Holy Spirit and we continue to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Each and every day we have the ability to wake up and say, God, let me live by the Spirit and continue to fill me with your Holy Spirit. There, are more, there is more presence, there is more power, there, are more, there, there is so much more of the Holy Spirit that can come into our lives if we begin to pray, fill me up. Continue to fill me up and continue to fill me up. It is an ongoing, progressive work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us become more Christ-like. Each one of those children that came to Vacation Bible School, they learned something about God. Bob talked about the fact that they, they saw God in grace and that grace is going to work on that child's life. When that child eventually comes to where they know Jesus Christ, it's not over the Holy Spirit can continue to fill them up and continue to fill them up and continue to fill them up every day of their life. The same is true for you and I. Live by the Spirit is this progressive work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to continue 
to help us become more Christ-like. So don't, don't be drunk on wine, the scripture says. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. How does this work? Well, I look and think about if I come home irritated and I begin to be short with my daughter. It has happened. Uh, And so if I begin to be short with my daughter, what I can begin to do in that moment, continue to fill me up, Holy Spirit. Because I know that I am not being as patient as I should be. And so I pray for the Holy Spirit to, to fill me up, to give me more of God's patience in that moment. And then I begin to live into the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Challenge yourself each and every day. It, somebody, um, the very first day of Vacation Bible School, uh, somebody was kind of, had a little tone. Um, and I was like, okay, we got to let the Holy Spirit be on this. And so all I wanted to do was show love to that person. Show love, show love, show love. By the end of the week, they were laughing and joking with me. But that's because that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out. What we have to do as the church is we've got to begin to live by the Spirit. Let the fruits of the Holy Spirit guide you. Look at your life. If you're sitting here today and you are less than joyful... Fill me up, Holy Spirit. Help me be joyful. If you're here today and life is a little chaotic, fill me up, Holy Spirit. Allow me to have the peace that passes all understanding. That's our prayer as the church. Amen? Amen. Fill us up. And so today I want you to just stop for a second. If you would, just let's, let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. And I want you to really stop and think about it for just a moment. Examine your own life. And and I'm going to ask a question that here's the truth. Everybody should raise their hand. But you don't have to. I'm just saying that the reality is none of us have reached the image of Christ. How many of us today, and this is what I want you to think about. If you examine your own life, how many of us need to live more by the Spirit because we, we, we're, we need more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in our lives. If that's you, raise your hand. I need more. I need more patience. I need more joy. I need more love in my life. Then simply make your prayer today. Fill me up. Fill me up. You can put your hands down. Oh God, oh Holy Spirit, come in this place and fill us up. Help us leave today different. Help us encounter you in this moment right now. Fill us up, God. Continue to fill us up. Help us to experience your presence and power in our lives today. May we leave today. May we walk out these doors different because we experienced you. 
Help us to go into the world to be your witnesses. Throughout Henry County, wherever we may go today, help us, Lord, to be people who are loving and joyful and peaceful. Help us to be patient with those we encounter. Help us to be gentle with our neighbors. Help us to to be faithful to you. Help us to have self-control in our lives. Let us live out your fruit of your spirit. Fill us up, O God. As we continue in attitude of prayer, I'm going to ask Michael if he would come up and lead us in our last song. May we continue to pray for the Holy Spirit to be over us and on us and in us and through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.